another team that could offer up a high pick and some prospects for Kevin Fiala is none other than the Ottawa Senators. We'll take a look at what could be involved in the trade package and what Kevin Fiala could do for Ottawa today on Locked on Wild. You're locked on wild. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota wild. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Wild, your daily Minnesota Wild podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Wild your first listen each and every day. And just as a reminder, Locked On Wild is free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts. On today's episode of Locked On Wild, we're joined by Ross Levitan of Locked On Senators to take a look at another team who could throw their hat into the ring for the services of Mr. Kevin Fiala. We take a look at some young players that could be involved in a potential trade, as well as the number seven overall pick. All of that coming up here on today's show. My name, of course, is Seth Topal, host of Lockdown Wilds. Info right there. Make sure to give me a follow on Twitter and make sure to give our guest, Ross Levitan of Lockdown Senators, a follow as well. One of the uh, one of the drivers of the network, uh, the Lockdown Senators podcast. And so happy to have you on today, Ross, uh, to talk about things because we could be talking a little later this offseason about a potentially big trade of course, Kevin Fiala going to be the uh, hot button topic for a lot of teams. And so let's just dive in to start. And uh, where are the Senators at in the process of the offseason? You know, coming off of the year they had last year, trying to add some talent to the mix. So even without factoring Kevin Fiala into the equation, where are the Senators headed uh, going into next year? Well, first things first, Seth, really happy to join you. We appreciated having you on the postcast earlier this year on uh, Locked On Senators. That was a great game. I remember back and forth, a couple lead changes in in uh, Ottawa because you spanked us in that third period in Minnesota. And I think it was actually an OT winner for Kirill Kaprizov start of November. I remember that because it's only one of two games in November that Ottawa got a point in. Uh, that was a tough time to start the season. COVID running through it and ultimately just not being good enough, especially in between the pipes. But Number two, where the Sens could be at is looking to change their goal song to this intro song. You kidding me? I was dancing. <laughs> you could be playing that at a salsa bar. That's unbelievable. Uh, where the Sens are right now, it's exciting times. Uh, of course, rest in peace to, to the owner, Eugene Melnick, who passed away. But with the change at the top of the organization, his daughters are now seemingly in charge. A 20 and a 22-year-old uh, daughter who have taken over. There is a board of directors, of course, uh, having a multi-million dollar company is is a lot on on two young young uh, adults like that but there's a level of excitement it just seems like for the first time in a while um you know they're being more progressive on social media they're interacting with fans just doing things that they shied away from in the past so there's an air of excitement around that also the way the season ended winning more than losing when you're 20th uh 23rd i think they finished uh this season overall you know uh, ending on a high is certainly nice, but we know it doesn't mean anything because they ended nine, two and one the year before and then started this year with the exact, they started each of the last two seasons with four wins in the last 20 games. Like talk about getting yourself out of it early. It's just meaningless hockey from November. So how can you really 
measure up a team that doesn't have anything to play for at the end of the day. But credit to DJ Smith and getting this leadership group to buy in. Brady Kachuk obviously leading the way. He's made himself uh, a, a bit of an international name here in North America with his playoff antics, supporting his brother Matthew, which of course was great to see. But he actually brought in a list, Seth, to his exit interview to Pierre Dorian said, Thomas Shabbat and I sat down and we have this list of things that need to be improved, whether it was things in the medical facility or the gym at the rink. Ottawa plays an older barm. I don't think it was too much that, but also we need to get better. Right now, Thomas Shabbat is going into his sixth NHL season and he hasn't even sniffed a stretch run, let alone a playoff. So we're at the point now, and that's probably why we're having this discussion where they've already made so many top 10 picks twice in the top five in 2020. And we're going to see the fruit of that with uh, a North Dakota graduate, or I should say alumni, who I'm sure some of your guests or uh, fans and listeners will be aware of here in NCHC territory with Jake Sanderson entering the fold. But there's that excitement from these young players, but there also has to be a concerted effort this offseason to improve. And they've got the cap to do it. How much are they willing to spend? And I know you want to ask me, what my questions are with Kevin Fiala. And I guess where we could start with that, what kind of contract is he looking at coming off the season he just had? Boy, uh, that is the $54 million question. Um, I honestly, so went into arbitration, which was, I think. Never good for either side. No, not uh, not a preferred situation and played through the year at 5.1. Career season, 85 points and going into uh, he's it's crazy to me how long Kevin Fiala has been in the league and he is still just 25. He came in super early. And so, you know, you're getting a guy who has accomplished a lot at the NHL level and is still only 25. So there is reason to suggest that he is just gliding right into his prime. I, I think honestly, he's going to be, somewhere between eight and nine million a year, I think is the, uh, the contract that he's looking for. And he wants the term as well. That was one of the big things that he wanted here in Minnesota was just to be part of this group for a long, uh, longer period of time. And wild just don't have the money to make that happen. And so uh, that's where other teams come in, but I, I could see him getting, you know, I could see him getting, I don't know if he'd go eight by eight, but I, I think it's going to be a massive contract, and he deserves it for how he played this past season, um, just shattering every previous record that he had in his career and breaking uh, a lot of wild records as well. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, just they jump out off the off the board here, 85 points in 82 games. Well, now, the Senators structure right now, and you probably already have some listeners just saying, like, you think the Sens can afford that contract? You kidding me? <laughs> we know that in the past, uh, they have their own internal cap. It's definitely not the uh, the full amount of the league, right? They, they're always sitting a little low. Right now, their projected cap's $59 million out of 82.5, but they still have to sign Josh Norris, who's an RFA, who's certainly going to get his money as well. People are speculating maybe the Nick Suzuki level contract, which I believe was about $7.8 million per season. And he deserves, he scored 35 goals in 66 games this year. Certainly a stud 22 year old centerman, but the way the hierarchy is in Ottawa, you've got Brady Kachuk signed at 8.2 for the next six years. And I don't know if the Sens are going to be willing to go over that. And I do think now the Sens have been on the other side of a trade like this in the past when they moved Marion Hosa. He was an RFA. They just couldn't fit him 
into the budget. And it was during that lockout season. He wanted his payday. He certainly deserved it. He was coming off a 40-goal season in Ottawa. They went the route of one for one because they could in terms of like competition window. And that's where I'm curious where the Wild are going if they prefer futures or a couple roster players who you can fit into that salary structure. Of course, Marion Trade brought back a former Minnesota Wild as well in Danny Heatley. But that obviously worked out for both uh, both sides ultimately. But with, with Kevin Fiala, like, I think he deserves that money. But that might be the stall in this trade. It might not be what assets Ottawa can and would be willing to give up. It's would they be able to negotiate an extension, which I'm assuming any trade is going to have to come with an extension. Yeah, You're not going to give up the assets required to maybe just walk them to free agency the next year. You need that six, seven, eight-year deal locked in. And that's where like, I pause a little bit just based on knowing that after this upcoming season, you're going to have to deal with Tim Stutzla as well. Then after the next season, Jake Sanderson. And these are all guys who you see as a part of the core. So far, they've got three players from their core locked up long-term. Shabbat, uh, Brady Kachuk, and Drake Batherson. All five and six years left on his on their contract. So does that salary make sense long-term would be the only question. Not does it fit under the cap, but with their own internal cap, can they fit it into where they have the rest of their core? Well, and the other part of this too is I don't know if he comes down on that number a little bit with a team. And why that, would he? He doesn't know Ottawa anything. Yeah, that's that's a that's a great way to put that. So that's that's the part of it too. Um, it, that a lot of teams are going to run into uh, in this situation is that not only do you have to uh, give up something to uh, to get him, but then you also have to have some of those guarantees that he's going to sign with you long term. Otherwise. You're basically just pushing prospects out the door uh, <laughs> for a year. Yeah. Um, of, and it's not like Ottawa's a Kevin, one Kevin Fiala away from planning the parade. By now, you know our friends at Built are always coming out with amazing new flavors. This time, Built has truly outdone themselves with their new mud pie flavor. And for the first time ever, Built is introducing the new mud pie flavor in both mud pie bar and mud pie puff. Not sure what mud pie tastes like. If you're a chocolate fan, you better sit down. The new Mud Pie Bar is rich whipped cream and chocolate mousse smothered in 100% real chocolate and topped with cookies and cream crumble. Plus, as always, the Mud Pie Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate just like any other Built Bar on the market. And if you are looking to sink your teeth into this delicious, delectable Mud Pie Bar or Mud Pie Puff, you got to get them while they last. Head to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Continuing today's episode of Lockdown Wild, once again, thank you for making Lockdown Wild your first listen each and every day. Listeners, we've got an important favor to ask you. We have put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Lockdown podcast even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and don't like about Lockdown podcasts. Go to LockdownPodcast.com slash survey right now to get things started. It doesn't take long, and everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. To take our audience survey, go to LockdownPodcast.com slash survey. Thank you, as always. For your participation. We have plenty more to discuss with Ross Levitan of Locked On Senators, so let's get to it. 
Yeah, that was kind of the other part of it too. Is just you know, is is Fiala enough of a player to really push the uh, the Senators to that next level, or are they a couple more players away from? Uh, is he more of a player that you throw into a mix on the way up and then add finishing touches the next season, or you know, where where does he fit into the equation? Yeah, certainly top six. I mean, you've seen him play his way there. But who did he play with this year? Wasn't Freddie Go Freddie Goudreau is his center? Yeah, so at the beginning of the season, that uh, that line was a little bit of a, a hodgepodge. There were some players moving up, players moving down. At one point, it was Goudreau on one of the wings, and it was Victor Rask as the center, which is yeah. not good. But finished the year with Matt Boldy as his opposite winger. That right. combo obviously was sensational. Yeah. Um. So he he certainly is a player that if you if you get him a a nice complimentary winger on the other end. He is going to uh, he's going to give you a ton of production. It's just the Wild put him at the beginning of the season with uh, with a few more guys that were defense oriented. You know, Goudreau right. certainly is, um, and so you know it's it's a hard ask to have a guy trying to do all the offense for your line when he's got a boat anchor as his center and he's got a guy that is basically defense first. <laughs> That's a tough ask for anybody. Yeah, 100%. Now, I'd say we've got a nice cushy spot for him on our line here with uh, Tim Stutzla has been looking for a winger basically since he moved to center. And he had started slow, especially last year, you know, coming over, got injured right after he was drafted. And then this year he moved to center, was about a point per game guy for the last 40 games of the season, but playing with no offensive talent on either wing. Like Alex Formanton, I actually love, and he's probably going to be a name that comes up later in this episode. But as a 22-year-old guy who had played a maximum i think played 22 games last year but other than that was what what does that make him like three games over because he had played one game then nine anyways it was basically a loophole why he wasn't eligible for the calder trophy this year and not that he would have won it with 18 goals 32 points but like that's not the type of player you want to have your third overall pick playing with you need a little more offense and ottawa's the way they're building this down and they have this like friendship tour they love, but I, I actually I dig it. They like they bring in guys who are who have relationships prior, and Josh Norris being being the example here I want to use. They brought him in in the Eric Carlson trade. The first thing the GM said when when the media goes, "Who's Josh Norris?" Like we we're expecting a name like Timo Meyer to be involved in the trade. You get, it's Eric Carlson, and yeah, the draft pick ended up unbelievable at the end of the day, but that took two seasons and then a tank job. Thanks, Martin Jones. Appreciate the effort. <laughs> now that to say Josh Norris, they said, what's it, who is this guy? And Doriel snickers at him and he goes, well, he's Brady Kachuk's best friend. They won a championship at the uh, under 18s together, world junior program. But then now they found this home, both 30 goal scores. And they've got Drake Batherson stud supposed to be an all-star this year. Dirty hit from Aaron Dell took him out. Don't know if you remember that. Just like I put a shoulder in. It was so greasy. Knocked him out of what would have been his first all-star game. So there you go. you got a great line there, a shooter, a passer, a power forward. But there's no depth in Ottawa, and that's why they need a top six guy. The dream in Ottawa, and it's not dead yet, Seth. You can't tell me it's dead. We're trying to bring Claude Giroux home to Ottawa. He's building a house there. He's from Canada. So if you close your eyes, you can see a world where the second line is Claude Giroux, Tim Stutzla, and Kevin Fiala. And at that point, that's where the rest of the conversation goes. You can have pretty much anybody you want when you can have a top six like that with the depth in there as well. Now, I know I'm dreaming and how many free agents are picking Ottawa as their destination, but when you know he's building the house there, 
it has been reported by Elliot Friedman. So I'm not going all the way off that Claude Drew is doing his homework on Ottawa. Where are they as a franchise? And that's another thing. Free agency opens July 13th, Seth. What better olive branch to extend to any potential free agent, but maybe one namely in Claude Giroux, than saying, we've already went out and got another guy, so he doesn't have to be the missing piece, but both of you guys together certainly make this a more frightening team up front. It, it it's a winning combo for me. I, I think it all just makes a lot of sense. You know, was it weren't the Wild in the mix to to get Drew earlier in the rumor mill? Yeah, they were. They heavily were. Uh, they were heavily interested in him, and ultimately for Drew, it came down to I think Florida and Colorado. Which why not? I mean, they were the two best Fair. teams in the NHL at that point. They were linked. Yeah, they say he made the wrong choice though. Now with Stanley Cup final, it, it's it, it looks that way. Um, <laughs> but they they were linked to him, yeah. because you know they they needed some uh, they needed some oomph, um, and ironically enough, it was to uh, to put him on that second line in the spot that Freddie Goudreau ended up taking as center and right. took off. So kind of a, an interesting six degrees of separation is. What would have happened? I mean, lots has to fall into place. I don't want to get put the cart in front of the horse a little bit, but I can just close my eyes and I just can can sense it. But um, all that to say, even if it's not Claude Giroux, even if it's someone else, like you ultimately have a one-two punch. And I'm a big I'm a big proponent of you have duos together. Like in Minnesota, right? It's it's more like Zuccarello and Caprizov play together. And the center is a little more interchangeable. Am I right with that? Yeah, Hartman ended up taking that spot. Right. And uh, it, the big thing with the Wild has been that they find lines that work, and a lot of times you just never go back to it. You're like, well, yeah. <laughs> it ain't broke. Don't fix it. Yeah, so, you're going to have to talk to Creed about that one, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God bless Creed Evason. Um, Actually, I think I like him as a coach. He always gives I a do too. quote. Yeah, yeah I, he's a good coach. He he's an OBS guy. Like he yeah. he will tell you what if you're doing something wrong, he'll tell you. And it just yeah. I I, I think Everson's great and you know, it just tough team that the uh, the Wild ran into in the Blues. That was a yeah. uh, that was rough, but you know, it is yeah. what it is. Yeah, no doubt. So, yeah, from the standpoint of of getting getting Fiala in the mix in Ottawa and it would just give like the fans have just been so upset with the the moves that come out of Ottawa recently. Like last summer, they're like, "Yeah, we're the rebuild's entering a new phase." Like Dorian's always got these grandiose quotes. They're they're hilarious. Like when they were in the 2017 playoff run, my favorite all time. He goes, "On the seventh day, God rested. On the eighth day, he created Eric Carlson." Hilarious. <laughs> and then less than two years later, he trades him. Un- unbelievable. Uh, he's a quote machine for sure. But then when you look at the moves that he made again, the rebuilds going into another layer. His big offseason move was bringing in Michael Delzato. Like he ended up playing half the year in Belleville. He ended up, he did okay when he was in the NHL, but like you can't have that be your move. He knows that if they get off to a bad start next year, he's on the hot seat, at least among the fans. This is a guy who was there at the start of the rebuild, but the owner and the GM said, we have a 111 page plan. They had to be specific. 111 pages. That's the plan. Well, now they've had a longer drought with no playoffs in Ottawa than when the expansion team started in 92. Took them their fifth year to make the playoffs. And now we just had the fifth season without playoffs in Ottawa. And then after they went that first four years without playoffs, they ended up making it for the next 13 years straight. 
and and they never went back to back years with missing the playoffs. And then the 2018 that just went off the the edge of a cliff. And yes, fans were patient, but at some point you can see the talent. Now it's where are you going to take the next step? They've got this great young core. You made a lot of draft picks, especially 2020. They had 11 picks in the draft, and then they had a bunch more 2021. It's time for a quantity for quality swap to yep. get this team over the next hump. Yeah. Not saying that next hump is going to be a, like a true Stanley Cup contender. They still have a couple pieces, especially one on the back end, and I don't trust Matt Murray. So there's lots of other things that have to go right, but certainly getting a top six forward is a, a job requirement if Pierre Dorian wants to still be in this role next Christmas. Obviously, you mentioned draft picks, and the Senators have the seven overall pick in this upcoming draft. Um, I know you guys have been doing a ton of, uh, of draft profiles and draft homework at uh, Locked on Senators. So um, is, is the seventh overall pick, do you think, uh, on the table uh, for a guy like Kevin Fiala? Where, where do you guys stand with, uh, with the draft? Yeah, I was talking to a buddy, the guy who I was uh, out golfing with today. His cousin's Jared Spurgeon, funny enough. I said I was going on a wild (laughs) podcast. He's from Edmonton and, like, again, six degrees of separation type thing. And so he follows the wild pretty closely. And I was asking him, I was like, man, seventh overall, like, this is a pretty decent draft. I won't say great draft, especially at the top end. Like, I don't think that, like, there's definitely not a McDavid, a Matthews, a McKinnon, like a number one, true number one pick. Next year, I think there might be three true number one guys like next year's draft is absolutely ridiculous but this year i think there's a lot of like second line forwards and second pair defense a lot of those which are valuable for mm-hmm. sure for sure you need them and a lot of guys actually going to minnesota going to minnesota Duluth. so i don't know if the wild love their their homegrown talent as much as uh, the Sens do but uh certainly that uh, that could be in the mix in this conversation but um they just made so many picks that even if it was like you're going to get a great player. Now, the real question is, if the seventh overall pick is in play for Kevin Fiala, there's not a whole lot of examples of top 10 picks moving. Like, the only one that really comes to mind that's already, like, years old is Corey Schneider got moved for the ninth overall pick, one for one. And he was at the point there in Vancouver where he was bursting at the seams, ready to be a starting goalie, 60, 60 to 65 games. And he was, a, he was a pretty highly touted prospect coming out of Boston uh, College as well. So... I think when you're looking at the seventh overall pick, do I think it's in play? Yes. Do I think it should be in play? Yes. But I think that would be the most valuable piece of the package. I don't think you're then looking at a B-plus prospect or a Shane Pinto or a Ridley Gregg. I think it would be those guys become off the table when seven gets in the conversation. Uh, I like, I'm glad you went there because that was going to be my next question is, and I've, I've viewed this, this trade as that situation too, where you're either going to get the high pick and that's, that's the centerpiece. It's or seventh overall is like that's a that's a big piece, man. Right. Yeah, that's that's definitely worth grabbing. But, you know, if that's not the one that you go for, who are some of those uh, senators younger players that maybe aren't in that immediate core but are players that hey, if we can add a Kevin Fiala, these guys are definitely on the table to try to make that happen. Yeah, 100%. Um before I answer that question, like I know you guys have the big cap penalty the next two seasons. Like, are you guys looking for more prospects to go with the the Wallsteads and the Rossies and the Boldies of the world? Or is this more of a reload versus rebuild situation? Because one of the players that could be in this conversation, he's a player I wish Ottawa would hold on to, but I don't know what the next extension is going to be. 
is Connor Brown, who's 26 or 27, but he's also only making $3.6 million. Now he's only signed for this upcoming year, but if the Sens eat half of that, all of a sudden you're getting a top nine guy who can keep the wild as a contender for, for the next year. And then hopefully they're able to figure out a contract beyond or however that has to work out. And maybe that is a little risk that Bill Guerin doesn't want to inherit, but He's unbelievable. Like the COVID shortened season, he led the Sens in goal scoring. He had 22 goals, I believe, in, in the 56 games. Uh, always at the top of the league in shorthanded goals. He he creates more opportunities shorthanded than they allow when he's on the ice. But if that's more of a reload situation, he could be an interesting guy. I compare him all the time to Zach Hyman, uh, who obviously got his payday in Edmonton. They both grew up in the Marlies organization. The Leafs decided to take on the most egregious free agent signing that screwed up their whole rebuild with John Tavares coming in the mix there. So these guys are all getting casted off. So I think his next contract will probably be similar to Hyman making like five, five and a half, but he's such a versatile player and one that I think Dean Evanson would fall in love with. However, if you're looking more of the players who are even younger, that would join the boldies in, in that age bracket and again, don't like even having him really in the conversation. And if seven is in play, I don't think he would be. But Alex Formanton, to me, is one of those unicorn-type players where like, his his uh, lap that won him AHL skater, uh, best skater or fastest skater at the AHL All-Star game would have won first place at the NHL All-Star game as well. Like, he is a speed demon. He gets about he, – he's Michael Grabner 2.0. Like maybe not everything else is there. But this guy, just give him the puck, and he's good for 20 goals a year. Great shorthand as well. He's 22 years old, former second-round pick, played with the London Knights, Team Canada, uh, at the World Juniors as well. So he'd be a player where um, I would I'd be hesitant to put in in Ottawa, but it's one of those where if both fan bases don't like the trade, then it's probably a good trade. And <laughs> Obviously, it, it's coming down to money, but I don't think uh, many Wild fans are going to be happy that Kevin Fiala is leaving, right? You, no, a hundred percent. And you know, we've, we've tried to drive the bus here at Lockdown Wild to keep Kevin Fiala, but it just, it seems like everything Bill Guerin has said is leading to this being yeah. the outcome. Do you think that was uh, a little bit of an emotional thing to say on the radio when he said three months of good Kevin Fiala? Cause to me, that was a bit of a show my hand, like the value diminished after that. Yeah, I I don't know if that exact comment was planned. I think it was in reaction to the... Up, what was it? Take me through the, the background of that. Wasn't he upset something got leaked? So he was... Garen was frustrated because for what I'm sure to him was the millionth time, um, Matt Dumba's name was brought up as, well, why can't we just right. trade Matt Dumba? And right. Garen has made it pretty clear that, that Dumba's one of his guys. Yeah. And so... And for good reason, because if you had told me, like, I want to keep Fiala, sends me to right shot top 4D, I would have changed the conversation right over there to uh, to Matt Dumba. But speaking of right shot defenseman, let me throw a couple other names at you, because, again, like, I'm pretty hesitant with, with Alex Formanton, and I don't think he'd be available with the seventh overall pick. But Ottawa at the back end right now, and they would have to make a a separate move here to address their decor going forward. But they have two first round picks, former first round picks who have just, it's a slow and steady development for both of them. But I do both think that both will be able to be a number four, maybe a number five defenseman at the NHL level. And that's Lassie Thompson from the 2019 draft. He had a really good offensive year in the AHL this year as well. Already played a season and a half pro over in Finland. And the other one is Jacob Bernard Docker, former North Dakota fighting hawk as well 
he's the type of guy I would say is a poor man's Jonas Brodeen, where if he's not showing up on highlights, he's doing his job and doing it well. He shuts down plays that are, that are coming his way. A very cerebral player. I'm trying to think of another example of, of like a former, like a Mer- Merrick Zidlitschke. How about that? A, f- a name to throw at you. But like just a good, solid defensive defenseman where the, if you elite prospect search him, you're like, this guy shouldn't have any value. There's no points. <laughs> but he's one of those guys where the sum of his work means a lot more than what the box score will say. But I think that Ottawa is going to have to decide between those two guys, whether it's in this trade or another one down the road. I don't see a situation where both of them are going to be in Ottawa at the same time. I uh, I have an interesting pivot off of that because yeah. um, it, it's crazy to me as I look at the Wild roster and pretty much all of their defensemen are left shot. Um, the Wild do have a guy who is on the younger side whose window to the NHL seems to be completely blocked because in terms of if the Wild are rebuilding or retooling, there are few spots on this roster that are going to be available next year. And so it seems like everything is pretty much locked in. So, you know, do they go more prospects? Do they go more picks? Remains to be seen. Um, Kalen Addison, as of right now, is not going to be a guy who is in the top six and will probably not be unless there's a major injury or somebody ends up being on the way out. But right shot defenseman, he's 22 years old, um, has a lot of good offense to his game. And so if the Wild end up needing to sweeten the pot a little bit, could be maybe involved in the deal. Yeah, he, he's a very in, in, interesting piece in my opinion. And uh, again, though, at that point, you're almost making a, a similar swap because to me, in terms of Jacob Bernard Docker, I'd say they probably have played a similar number of NHL games and they're both at that spot where like, what would you say? Too good for the AHL, but not quite a guy who's good enough to be a regular NHL yep. defender right now. Yeah, see, I'd probably put the two guys that I'm offering up in, in a similar realm as Kalen Addison. So maybe it doesn't move the needle as much because they're both right shot guys as well. And um, I think it would be more of a, a, a one to two year window before like Lassie Thompson actually he uh he played the most minutes in a debut by Senators defense and they just threw him in the fire I think it was when COVID hit played like 25 minutes was paired with Shabbat like Jeez. maybe he can play in the NHL maybe I, I'm I'm being a little short with them both of them were funny interviews though they're both super shy kids we've had them both on uh, LOSP and usually we say we ride or die when you come on the show we protect you forever so I, I'd like to apologize to JBD Lassie and for me We've had them all on the show, and and I don't mean to be throwing your name out, but when a guy like Kevin Fiala, handsome man like that who can score goals, you know, when he com- comes available, you know, sometimes loyalty has to go out the window when uh, when you've seen a team lose uh, lose out in, in November for the entire season. So um, these these guys, like we said, you know, if it's a good trade, both sides are going to have some some. I wish we could have <laughs> kept that guy. So that's why I'm hoping that the the first round pick, you know. Um, you can't love what you don't know. And for me, you don't know who that seventh overall pick is. Just take the magic beans from us and uh, hope it doesn't bite you. Like obviously San Jose still feeling it, giving up Tim Stutzla for, uh, for Eric Carlson and, and Ottawa, I mean, gave up Bowen Byram and the pick that became him in the Matthew Shane trade. So you can go back and, you know, piggyback or, um, you know, sift through and get whatever stats you want there. But I think when, when you're in a situation like Ottawa is right now, you need NHL talent. And that's why, like, 
for me, Kalen Addison's like a nice depth piece. And yeah, Ottawa could probably put him in the top six right away. But like Kevin Fiala just seems like a perfect fit on that yep. top six. Like whether Jerus there or not, like just having him with Stutzla. Like Stutzla went from, I think it was 30, 30 some points to 55 this year. I expect him to take a, an even bigger step next year, and he needs someone who can work the give and go with him on the rush and, you know, those crisscross plays and backdoor tap-ins. And he just needs someone with more skill than uh, than the guys he was playing with throughout this year. So I would I would probably say the Sens as well. They'd, they'd be happier to mix some picks in. I know they've got a few extra second-rounders as well, but sure. that's where it, where it becomes difficult and maybe where other teams, like I know New Jersey's all over this as well. Uh, they've got the the Heeshier connection, the Switzerland, you know, you love those uh, those nationality ties too, but they probably have just as many prospects to give up and they might be a little more desperate because they've already made their big free agent splashes, bringing in Dougie Hamilton and, you know, you're you're trying to capitalize on a window where you have first overall picks and now a top two pick coming in. Like their window is now opening, I think, a little quicker than Ottawa's. Now they still don't have a goalie, but that's a story for another day. However, <laughs> um, th- there's going to be competition is basically what I'm saying yeah. for Kevin Fiala. And I just don't know how much sweeter that the Senators would make the pot. But seventh overall, man, like, again, that's, that's a pretty big bargaining chip. And I don't know because I feel like when whenever – and the Sens know this better than most with how many top players they've traded. The Mark Stones, the Pajos, the, the Eric Carlson's of the world. Like the, the return always feels underwhelming immediately. Yep. And I think that's what wild fans should feel prepared for. Like if they can get the first and Alex Formanton play this clip, if that trade happens and it is a complete robbery, uh, having to get two pieces like that, like Ridley Gregg's probably a name that would come up as well in these talks. He's a first round pick from 2020, very Nazem Kadri esque However, and I would say that to the extent that he's never played an NHL regular season game and he's been suspended uh, for a Mm. play in preseason. Also in that game, he scored a highlight reel goal. So we call it the Ridley Gregg hat trick highlight reel play kicked out and uh, (laughs) and a smirk on his face. He's just a complete shift disturber, as we call him. But, uh, you know, he'd be in the mix. A guy who I wouldn't want to see in this trade would be Shane Pinto. He'd be a name who gets thrown around. But is a team really going to want him to? He just missed 77 games with a torn shoulder. So you get that injury concern in there. And the one guy who you can just completely wipe off your board, Jake Sanderson is not going to be involved in any trade. That kid is, is the future and, and the real deal. It's funny. Every prospect we asked, we had Tyler Boucher on. We've got all these guys who know Jake Sanderson, Tyler Clevin's another one. And when you ask them, they're like, so tell me about Jake Sanderson's game. And their answer is always, he's the real deal. It's only like they, they have the same line. He's just the real deal. So we can't be trading the real deal uh, away for, for anybody, let alone Fiala. But sounds like Fiala is the real deal too. It's just, did he have a good three months or is he actually elite? Well, we'll, uh, we'll find out. It's, it's <laughs> not going to be a process that I think is going to drag on too far because it has to be by the draft. Yeah. You got to think, right? It, it'll happen by the draft for sure. So, because it's not like the NBA. They make the pick and then trade the kid like yep. 10 minutes later. That's always so funny. You see them in their, their draft caps and then they get moved. I like the NHL. Like Once you put on the jersey, you're staying. It's at it's least, official. At least three years until you don't get signed. Yeah. Like Philip Johansson. We're, I'm okay with the second round pick there. Yeah, what the heck? Because we've got Tampa second, so now we get bumped down one? Trash. Sorry about it. It's better, pal. <laughs> what a joke. Well, all in all, 
I think we got some good pieces here, but you know, as you alluded to, it's going to come down to if the uh, the Senators can fit Fiala into the uh, the future plans. Yeah, so. the cap structure, I think, more than anything, because yeah. you've got Brady Kachuk at eight point two. If Kevin Fiala wants more than eight point two, he's probably going to have to go elsewhere. Eight by eight, it's expensive, but uh, he's a hell of a player. Yeah, I think that like seven seven point seven per year to eight eight per year. I think is probably the high echelon of where you go. Cause we've seen it with, with John Tavares. Like he signs for 11. Now all of a sudden Matthews is like, well, if he gets 11, I'm better than him. I get 11.6. Yep. And now they've lost Zach Hyman, Connor Brown about to lose McKayev. Like they're losing all these good players because they put all their eggs in this basket of, of veteran, like, Oh, they'll push me over the edge. And, I just don't want to see the Sens end up in that same structure. And when you bring in an outside guy, that's where really it shuffles the whole hierarchy of, of the payment model. So right now, like the comparable use for Josh Norris isn't Brady Kachuk. It's Drake Batherson who signed for 5 million a year. So once you add an outside guy in and then the comparables start flowing, I just worry about that dynamic, but I also worry about missing the playoffs for a sixth straight year. So at that time, you kind of just have to do what it takes. And if, Pierre Doria ends up walking around the, the game of musical chairs and doesn't get a seat at the end of this summer, then his job's on the line. So I worry about him being too aggressive and throwing what all this hard work and, and blood, sweat, and tears of the rebuild out the window for a, a quick fix. But if it can benefit both sides, like they need to make a trade to get better. And Kevin Fiala is my number, other than Claude Giroux for free in free agency. <laughs> um, other than that, Kevin Fiala is like my number one uh, wish list item for the, for the off season. If I had an, a locked on senators registry, Kevin Fiala would be front and center on the homepage. Love to see it. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, it's going to be a busy off season. That is for sure. So make sure you are following along with locked on senators to see how Kevin Fiala may fit into everything else that happens throughout the off season. And uh, make sure you're following both Locked on Wild and Locked on Senators as your first listen each and every day. You can find new episodes of both shows uh, Monday through Friday as part of the Locked on Sports Podcast Network.